My mom is a softie for animals, and so am I. I got that from her. When I was 16, I was puttering in my blue escort station wagon on the way home from church, and a little bunny rabbit came hopping out into the road. It all happened so fast. I saw him. I shrieked. I slammed on the brakes. I felt a thump. I cried. All I could think of was that little bunny rabbit had a family, and now there's one empty chair around his little bunny table. I sat there in the road for a while thinking about what I had just done. I didn't mean to, Your Honor. I want to apologize to all this furry family in the courtroom today. I wasn't even old enough to shave, and I was already guilty of vehicular lagomorpha slaughter. Next stop, the big house. Like a cross between Alice in Wonderland and a cop show, I could see the world spinning and hear the sinister voice cry out, Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. That's the sixth commandment, after all. Thou shalt not kill. And I just killed, even though I didn't mean to. But is that what God intended with the sixth word to his people? Does God prohibit us from killing a deer on a hunt or a fly on a windowsill or even a burglar in self-defense? What does the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill, mean to us? What did it mean to them? Well, we'll find out right after this. Good day to you, Simplified listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Do Not Murder on Simplified. When we read the King James Version, we read, Thou shalt not kill, but most other versions pinch and zoom in on that word kill to narrow it down a little bit. The ESV reads, You shall not murder. The NIV says, You shall not murder. The NASB, You shall not murder. Pretty consistent. Even the New King James Version, the King James Version's younger sister, reads, You shall not murder. God didn't forbid us from killing animals for food or killing termites for peace of mind. In fact, just 11 verses after this one, God commanded his people to slay and offer animals to atone for their sins. But God draws the red line at murder. He knows the irreparable damage murder does to the human race. Only two chapters into human history, Adam and Eve took a bite they weren't supposed to and opened wide the door to sin. But God still smiled on them and gave them two sons, Cain and Abel. We're only two generations into the family tree. And Cain grew so jealous of Abel, he lured him into the field ambushed him, and murdered him. Welcome to the world we broke. Even a first-year law school student would be able to convince a jury to convict Cain of murder. Cain had motive, he had means, he had opportunity. They weren't just jousting and accidentally drove the lance too far. Cain intentionally murdered Abel. Intentionally. That loaded word carries weight with God. God values human life so much he wrote this commandment into his top ten to live by. God values human life above the cows in the field and the birds in the air. They aren't created in his image, but we are. God knows there may be tragic times when somebody unintentionally takes another human life. It's painful, but it's possible. And God knew it was possible, so he made provisions for somebody who unintentionally took somebody else's life so they didn't have to lose theirs. God commanded Israel to set apart six cities as cities of refuge. These cities were special for one reason. They were a refuge for somebody to run if they accidentally, unintentionally killed another person. Six cities out of 48 cities in the promised land. That's one out of eight. You have to pardon my naivete, but that seems to be a lot of cities for something hopefully so rare. I mean, how many times does an axe head fly off the handle and hit somebody walking by? But God wanted there to be safety in case someone unintentionally 
killed someone else. And there's that loaded word again, intention. Who determines what determines what was unintentional and what was intentional? God did. And he gave his children tests to take for those who lived after somebody they struck died. If he strikes with an iron implement, so he dies. He's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. If he strikes him with a stone in the hand by which one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he strikes him with a wooden hand weapon by which one could die, and he does die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood himself shall put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. If he pushes him out of hatred or while lying in wait hurls something at him so that he dies or in enmity he strikes him with his hand so that he dies, the one who struck him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. Numbers 35 verses 16 through 21. More loaded words, strikes, hatred, enmity, lying in wait. They all paint the grisly picture of somebody with hatred in their heart and murder in their plans. This was intentional. It was diabolical. And then Moses flipped the coin to see what the other side looks like. If there is intentional murder, what does unintentional death look like? However, if he pushes him suddenly without enmity or throws anything at him without lying in wait or uses a stone by which a man could die, throwing it at him without seeing him so that he dies while he was not his enemy or seeking his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments, Numbers 35, verses 22 through 24. Do you see the difference? If a guy is cleaning out his field and tosses a stone into the woods and unintentionally hits another guy, he's not guilty of murder. It's tragic. He still leaves behind a grieving family, but he didn't intentionally murder his brother. But his word wasn't enough. Even if he protested his innocence until the sun went down, the congregation still had to judge between him and his victim's family to determine whether he was guilty of intentional murder. As they heard eyewitness testimony, they kept listening and looking for the slightest sign of hate. Did he hate him? Was he angry with him? Did he see this as his serendipitous chance to get even with him? This law in the Old Testament identifies the motive for most murder hate. Now we leap from the black and white lettered law of the Old Testament into the black, white, and red lettered law of the New Testament in Matthew 5. When Jesus said, you've heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council, and whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Matthew 5, verses 21 through 22. The treasure to protect is human life. Created in the image of God for the glory of God, human life. In the Old Testament, God drew the red line at murder. Don't cross this line and you won't break the sixth commandment. But in the New Testament, God drew the red line further back. He drew it at anger. Don't even get angry with your brother or sister or even your enemy. And there's a very good chance you won't break the sixth commandment. Had Cain kept his anger and jealousy under control, Abel probably would have lived to see his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren graduate. Jesus used the inspired pen to draw the line for Christians, for disciples of Jesus. You want to be a disciple? Here's where the line is. And you, you've stayed in the episode long enough to hear all about murder and anger. Clearly not one of those episodes that just makes you feel good. 
but you've stayed in here long enough to hear all about it. Jesus said, get rid of your anger. If you don't jump on the moving sidewalk at hatred or anger, you'll likely never end up at murder. All human life has value because all humans are created in the image of God. But there are times when another person created in the image of God is bent on harming another person created in the image of God. God clearly hates murder, but what about self-defense? Do we have a right to defend the people God has given us to cherish and love and protect? Do we have a right to defend ourselves? If a burglar breaks through the front door and wants my laptop, well, he can have it, but he should know that I do have tracking software on it, so <laughs> I'm going to find him. But if he wants my daughters, he can't have them. God knows how depraved people can be, so he made a provision to protect us. Just two chapters after God forbade murder, he gave Moses a provision for self-defense. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, he should be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. Exodus 22, verses 1 through 4. Exodus 22 forms the foundation for what is known as the castle doctrine. Since our home is our castle, we're allowed to defend our castle, but at what cost? God gave his people the right to defend their life and their property if a burglar burst through their door at night. At night, they couldn't see the thief or why he was there. At night, they couldn't see if he had a weapon or had just wandered to the wrong door on accident. Sometimes they're awakened out of sleep to see a stranger standing at the foot of the bed, only feet away from sleeping children. In that harrowing scenario, God gave the homeowner the right to defend his own life and his loved ones. If he killed the would-be thief in self-defense, God called it justified. But if it was daytime, and you could see the thief wandering away with your coat of many colors, let him go. You go to the judge. Don't kill him, especially when you could clearly see him. That punishment didn't fit the crime. God saw that as murder. I don't know of anyone with a healthy view of human life who wants to take another human life. Clearly, lethal self-defense is our last resort. If you can run to safety, run. But if you can't, and you must stand and defend yourself. In the eyes of God, self-defense is not murder. It is the sixth word, you shall not murder, not with our hands and not in our heart. And as we're going to learn next episode, not even with our words. I would like us to pray that the Lord would help us to have a healthy view of human life. This episode could stem in so many different ways and branch out into so many different areas. But if we understand that every life is precious to God. Every human life is precious to God. From the unborn all the way unto the elder, every human life is precious. Let's ask God to help us to love human life like he does and value it like he does. And then in those cases, if we are called to defend ourselves, that we would do it without hatred in our heart, we would do it as much as we could to preserve human life and that we could live our lives for the glory of God and live our lives free of hatred. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you today. Help us to value human life like you value human life. Help us to love our fellow man like you love our fellow man. 
I ask you today, Jesus, help us to minister to one another, edify, build each other up, never to hate, never to have enmity or even anger without cause in our hearts against another. I pray, Jesus, none of us would ever be faced with a situation. We would have to defend ourselves, lethal self-defense. But if ever we are placed in that situation, help us to do the right thing. Help us to do what honors and pleases you. We ask you today, Lord, we want to live according to your will, according to your word. We want to live a life that pleases and brings glory to you. Help us, Jesus, I pray, to value human life and live our lives for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Simplified listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share. And I know this episode is emotionally charged. I know it brings back and probably brings a lot of memories or a lot of feelings. And I get that. So most of all, seek God. Ask him, what would you have me to do, Lord? If I'm ever placed in that situation, give me the grace to do what is right, what pleases you, what honors you. I believe the Lord will absolutely do that for us. Thank you so much, Simplify listeners. All you loyal listeners have catapulted us ever so close to 150,000 downloads for Simplify ever since this podcast began to air. And I thank you for that. Thank you so much. Head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. I've got some great resources I'd love for you to check out. Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast nearly, actually, four years ago, just over. And 10 Words, A Practical Look at the Ten Commandments, from which this particular episode and these series of episodes on the Ten Commandments have stemmed. There's much more content in the book than I'm able to put here on the podcast. But pick up Simplify, pick up 10 Words, both of those available at PentecostalPublishing.com. And if you use promo code SIMPLIFY, you get 10% off your entire order if you've not used that promo code before. So pick that up. And the third book is in the works. It's nearly finished with editing. It's called Blessed Are, and it is a practical look at the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. That's all available. It will be available one day very soon at PentecostalPublishing.com as well. Next week, I want to continue not only the Ten Words and Ten Commandments, but I want to continue this particular one. Most of us will never fight the battle against a human life, and thank God for it, but every one of us every day fight the battle with how we treat others and the fact we could destroy others with nothing more than our words. And I want to share with you an episode all about that. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.